Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Father, we just turn our hearts to you right now into your word. We open our hearts to you into your Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, strengthen us, encourage us, fill us. Bless us with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, hallelujah. I'm going to share a word with you this morning on... The B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. So let's open our Bibles this morning to, I'm going to start in Mark chapter 4. Simple word this morning, but a, but a critical word. And when we become Christians, I feel like we all kind of learn very quickly that we got to do three things. we got to pray, we should pray, should read our Bibles and go to church. The Bible is just so important. It's, it's God's word. You know, I was thinking God had to get everything written down because oral traditions corrupted after a while. You know, that game you play where you sit, and you sit next to someone and you whisper in their ear and they whisper to them. Supposedly by the time it gets around, it's different. Well, that's what happens with oral traditions. So God knew that that's what happened. So he said, gonna, I'm going to have my, my chosen men write things down and uh, so there'll be a, a permanent record for all generations to know me and to believe in me and to receive all that I have for them. Hallelujah. So this is a little bit of a, a, little bit of a long passage, but uh, I think most of you know it, but we'll read it again. Mark chapter 4, and he, and he says, And he began to teach by the, again by the sea, and such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat by the sea and sat down, and the whole crowd by the sea was on the land. And he was teaching them in many things in parables and was saying to them in his teaching, listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it and yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and they grew up and increased, and they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And as soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, To you it has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, get everything in parables, so that while seeing they may see and not perceive, while hearing they may hear and not understand, otherwise they might return and be forgiven. <clears throat> and he said to them, Do you understand this parable? How will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word. 
And these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these are the ones who, on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arise because of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire. The King James says the lust of other things. But the word lust in the King James doesn't mean, doesn't have any sexual connotation. It means a strong desire. That's that word. So, and desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those who are the ones on whom seed was sown in the good soil, they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. This, this parable that he told, this, this account of him, the sower, is also recorded in, <clears throat> in Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel. And Matthew, uh, it's basically the same, but in Matthew's gospel, when it talks about the seed that fell beside the road, it adds, when, it says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. So the one who on the road, the, is, it's hard. The seed doesn't get in. So that's either a hard heart who doesn't want to hear what God has to say, or else he doesn't understand what God has to say. And so the, the seed just kind of sits there, and the devil comes and plucks it, and it, it doesn't produce anything in their life. And in, in Luke's account of it, uh, when he talks about the good soil, he said, but the seed in the good soil are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. So Luke says, if you're going to bear fruit, you have to have a, a, an honest and a good heart and you have to hold it fast and you have to have perseverance. I thought, and I thought, there's that word again, perseverance. The word perseverance. How many, times, <clears throat> how many times do I see that crop up in the Bible? Or sometimes it says endurance or patience. Very often there's several places in the King James where King James uses the word patience, but it means endurance. So this word, perseverance or endurance or patience, it's, it comes up so many times. It shows us that we have to be strong in our belief. You have to hang in there. You have to press through because the, the enemy is going to come. He's going to try to steal, some, steal your faith, steal, what, steal your blessings. In Matthew 24, 13, it's a speaking of the difficulties that will come in the last days. Listen, Jesus said, but he who endures to the end will be saved. So when the difficult times come, you, get, you, have, to, you have to endure. You have to say, be determined. I'm going to stay faithful to God. I'm not going to fall away like so many others. In Hebrews chapter 6, it says we need to be imitators of those who through faith and patience or endurance inherit the promises. Again in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Therefore... Do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. So if we don't endure, the enemy's going to come. He's going to rob us from everything God has for us. Again, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily besets us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Each one of us has a, 
a, a race that we have to run. We have to, we have to do it with endurance so we can make it to the end. Otherwise, we won't. And then finally, a familiar scripture in James chapter 1, which says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And again, the King James uses the word patience there. Endurance. And let endurance have its perfect work, so we may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We as believers are supposed to be supposed to know how to persevere, how to endure, so that the promises of God will be manifested in our life. Through perseverance and endurance, we we come out we come out victorious over the hardships of life. In Proverbs chapter twenty-four, it says, "A righteous man falls seven times, and and rises again." So we may get knocked down, but we always get back up and fight, and eventually we win. I tell you, I'm on the winning side, and I like it. I hope you like it too. So there are three, uh, what do you, uh, three players, I guess I'll use that word. There are three players in this parable, the sower, the seed, and the soil. Well, there's no problem with the sower, and there's no problem with the seed. If there is a problem, it's the soil, and that's us. We're the soil. But I was thinking... I was thinking about seeds. I, you know, I'm very, I'm very simple, I guess, in my, in my beliefs and my understanding. There's so many things that I just, I just feel like, how can you not believe there's a God when you see certain things on the, on the earth? But like, for example, a seed. A seed is a marvelous thing. It, it can lay dormant for hundreds of years, thousands of years. It just, and it, it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have a best by you, best. Best by use date. Remember, you know, you get a, you get some food. It says used by, best by use, best. I'm not saying it right. Best used by date. But they they found seeds in Egyptian tombs, and they put it in the, they put some in the ground, and they guess what? They grew. I mean, here it lays dormant. It blows me. It just blows me away. And they take this seed, and they put it in some dirt, and they give it a little bit of water. And all of a sudden, it comes to life. What is it, what is it about a seed that, that does that? I mean, God, God had to do it. It, is, it, all, it just lays there, it dormant, and then all of a sudden, it comes to life. It, it, it's amazing. But here, let me, let me get back to it. And there's a characteristic of a seed. And here's, here's another thing about a seed that, it's, it is totally impartial. It doesn't discriminate. You put it in some dirt, you put, give it some water, and it'll grow. And it'll grow in atheist dirt. It'll grow in communist dirt. It'll grow in Arab dirt. It doesn't just say, well, I'm, this is Russia. I'm not growing here. I'm, not, I'm anti-communist. No, it's totally impartial. What, what is that? That encourages me because it tells me the word will grow in my heart just as well as anybody else's. So you have to understand, the word of God, it, you put it in your heart, it'll grow. And it'll grow in you just as much as it'll grow in Oral Roberts or Billy Graham or somebody, somebody famous. It's, the word of God, if you hold it fast in your heart, it'll grow and produce exactly what it's supposed to. So that, that encourages me. If I receive it in an honest and good heart, like it said in Luke, and hold it fast, it will grow and produce in my life. But Jesus in this parable talks about opposition that's going to come against us 
like to, to keep that word from producing in us what God wants it to. First of all, again, the, the first it was the seed that fell in the road, the hard soil. Some hearts are just hard. They don't want to. They don't. They don't want to. They don't want to believe God. They're convinced that God's not real. They're convinced they're anti-God, and they're hardening their heart. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 14, the fool says in his heart, "There is no God." One of what I just I recommend a video to anybody who wants to watch it. There's a man named Howard Storm. I've told you this story before, but to me, this video is so believe, so convincing. He was, this man named Howard Storm, he was a professor at a university in Kentucky, not the University of Kentucky, but I think it was like Northern, Northern Kentucky University. He was a professor, an art professor, and he took a group, of, and he was, a, just a, he was a committed, he said, I just didn't believe in God. I was an atheist. I did not believe in God. He wasn't evil. He wasn't uh, perverse, or he was just, he was married, teaching, like just living a life, but he was convinced that there's no God. He was absolutely convinced in his own self that when you close your eyes, when life is over, it was over. They just bury you like an animal, and you, it's done. Well, he, went, he took his group to France, and he had a medical, he had a medical problem, and he ended up dying, and he, found, and he found himself outside of his body, in the realm of the spirit, and he found out that God is real, and the whole spirit realm is real, and, he, and the devils came, and they were going to take him to hell, and they, they mistreated him horribly, but Jesus came to him and rescued him, and he came back and told us, give us his testimony. If you go on YouTube, you can, under the search engine, put atheist professor finds God, and you see uh, a video, there'll be several that could pop up. But here's a man, uh, maybe in his 60s or so, sitting on a stool with a gray suit on, and in the background is like a, a kitchen background, a kitchen set. And he tells us it's a marvelous story how God showed him the reality of the realm of the spirit. But anyway, the next one Jesus said was that was the seed fell on rocky ground and had no depth of soil. These are those who have a, a people with a shallow commitment. I I kind of I can picture someone just saying, "Well, they hear the message of the of the gospel and they say, well, 'I'll try it, I'll see if it works.'" And they try it for a little while, and then something happens, some hardship happens, some inconvenience, and they just fall away because there's no there's no depth. And the one that well, I think the the, oppos the opposition that affects us most is the next one. Those who fell among the thorns. And it says the busyness of life. The busyness of life uh, distracts us, keeps us, from, keeps us from being in the word. There's always something pulling on us. There's always something more important that seems to have to be done. And just living life, it's so easy just to forget the, to forget the Bible and not have a chance to read it. I so, said, well, I'll read it when I go to bed. And you go to bed and you read about three verses and you fall asleep. But it's so important to understand we cannot let the busyness of life, the cares of this world, rob us from, our, from being in this word. This word is, is like, it's like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
This is, this is spiritual life to us, this book. This is not just a book. It's the Bible. It's God's word to us. And, it, and there's life in the word. Jesus said, my words are spirit in their life. And God wants us to f- feed on his word so, and know his word. It's so important that we read the Bible. Put it in you. Just put it in you from cover to cover. Be determined to read, read through your Bible at some point from cover to cover. And put it in. It's, it's life to all those that find it. And health to all their flesh, the Bible says. In Jeremiah 1, chapter 12, in Jeremiah 1 and 12, God says, I'm watching over my word to perform it. He'll perform his word in our life if we'll, if we'll receive it and confess it. And in Isaiah chapter 55, it says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be so. Just as sure as when it rains, it makes the earth wet and it, and, it, and it helps things to grow. Just so as we know that. So shall my word be, it says, which goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty or void without accomplishing what I desire, without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. So you got, you got to be in the word. You got to know the word. Can I just take a second? And I want to teach you how to memorize the books of the New, of the New Testament. If you can remember seven things, you can remember all the books in the New Testament. I've been doing this for years and years. The first word is Gospels. The Gospels are what? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The next one is A-R-C, Ark. The Gospels, Ark, and then go eat popcorn. I'll explain it later. So the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Ark, A-R-C, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and go eat popcorn is, is G-E-P-C, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Now you can, you can take that G-E-P-C and make it some of your own, but that's one I use. And I've been using it for years. You know, I, we had a church way back in the 80s in the, in, uh, in the Capitol Theater, and I taught people the same thing. And someone, I remember someone came to me like 20 years later. He said, you know, back in the Capitol Theater, you told us about go eat popcorn. I still use it today. To find, to, find that, to find those books. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And then after that, all the T's in alphabetical order. First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus. And then PH, Philippians and Hebrews. And then after that, proper names. James, First and Second Peter, First, Second, Third John, and Jude. Proper names that are other than T. And, and then Revelation. So the Gospels, AR, Ark, Go Eat Popcorn, All the T's, PH, Proper Names, Revelation. You get the whole first. Then when you open your Bible, it's like, oh, I got to go this way or that way. And you can find the books real easy. It, you know, I just love this Bible. I tell you, when I got saved, I get, when I got saved, I had such a hunger for the Word of God. You know, in Peter, Peter writes, you know, we're like, new, like babes, you need to long for the sincere milk of the word. And boy, I couldn't get enough of it. And I got saved when I was, when we had just come back from Thailand, and we were down in Panama City, Florida, which is a wonderful place, by the way. If I had my druthers, I'd, I'd live in the panhandle of Florida, I think. But anyway. Oh, when I first got saved. So I'm re- I got to requal- requalify in, in this airplane that I'm flying, 
and, it, and it's a, they give you a great big, like a loose leaf binder. It's about that thick. It's got every, it's got hydraulics and fuel. You got to learn all the systems. You got to learn the armament. You got to, you got to just get back in it, learn how to fly it again. And I got saved. And all I wanted to do was read my Bible. I'm supposed to be studying this book and getting ready for tests. But I had such a hunger for the Word of God, I couldn't put it down. And I came finally. We came to Rome, New York, and we ended up in a little Methodist church in Stuben. And the pastor was Bob Smallman. And every Sunday they had they had Sunday school for the they had church at nine, and Sunday school after at ten for the kids. And the parents would just drop the kids off and stay or fellowship or go home and come back. And God, I tell you, God got all over me. I, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where God gets on you about something and finally it drives you so crazy that you, you go and do something what seems radical because you just you, you, you got to just get this off you. And he put it off. I had this burden, this terrible burden this, and I, that I was, supposed to, I was supposed to go ask that pastor if I could teach the adult Sunday school while the kids were getting theirs because the adults had nothing. And I went, so I went to see him. Why am I saying all this thing? I went, anyway, I went to see him, and uh, I, I said, listen, I got saved when I was in Florida. I've been saved about three months. I'd read hardly any of my Bible. I said, I was wondering if, if, you, if it'd be all right if I taught uh, an adult, Bible, adult Sunday school when the kids were having theirs. And I really expect him to kind of laugh and say, give me a break. But he throws his hands up and says, praise the Lord. So that was it. So then I said, oh, no, i got to do it. So I said, I'm glad, I'm glad none of that was recorded. So I don't know what I, I don't know. You know, I'd, I'd get a Kenneth Copeland message, and I'd take notes, and I'd just repeat it on Sunday. I'd get a Kenneth Hagin message, I'd take notes, and I'd repeat it on Sunday. That's all I knew to do. I'm still doing it, basically. But... Uh, Anyway, but the Bible, I had such a hunger for the Word of God. But that, because your spirit longs for this. Your spirit wants to be, wants this food. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The Bible is, it'll, it'll satisfy you spiritually. It'll give you strength. Psalm 119 is one, of my, is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Psalm 119 has 176 verses. It's all about the Word of God. Almost every single verse in there is about the Word of God. Here's, I mean, just here's a couple, here's a few of them that, that are my favorites. It says, "The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting." The sum of the word is truth. In other words, if you want to know the truth about prayer or about holiness or about whatever, you you, can, you can't just base it on one or two scriptures. You got to see what the whole Bible teaches, and then you get a balanced teaching. In, in, this, in Psalm 130, it's, verse 130, it says, the entrance of your word brings light. It brings understanding to the simple. So the, the, the scriptures give us revelation and insight. In verse 11, it says, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. This to me is such a wonderful, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. When you put the word in your heart, it's like, it acts like a rudder, keeps you on course. I anticipate the night watches, verse 148, I anticipate the night watches so I can meditate on your word. Here's somebody, a Jewish, a Jewish man, 
He's going he's to have to be posted. And, I, and he looks forward to those night watches when everyone's quiet so he can meditate on the word and just consider what God has to say. Forever, O oh Lord, the Bible says, your word is settled in heaven. God's word is, doesn't change because God doesn't change. Whatever he says is forever. And then in verse 105, it says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. The word of God takes you where you should go. And in Hebrews, it says, the word of God is living, active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the vision of soul and spirit of both joints and marrows, and able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. When the, like Derek Prince, I've heard Derek Prince say so many times, when you're reading the word, the word should be reading you and showing you what God wants for your life. And here's something, if this is another reason why it's so important to have the word in us and to speak the word and declare the word over your life. In Psalm 103 and verse 20, it says, Bless the Lord, all you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Let me read that again. It says, when you, when you put the word in, and you start declaring the word of God, the angels go to work to bring that word to pass in your life. Bless the Lord, all you his angels, mighty in strength who perform his word, obey, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. When we confess the word, we declare it, we put the angels to work. If we don't, put, if we don't declare the word, the angels sit, sit idle. And then there's healing. The word, the word itself can bring healing to your body. In Psalm 107 and verse 20, it says, He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all the destructions. The word of God will bring healing to you. In Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20 and 22, it says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For the words, so they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Just putting the word in, just reading it, just, be, just putting it in will bring health and healing to your body. The word is what's going to judge us in the end. In Luke chapter 16 is the, is the account of the rich man and Lazarus. Remember the, there was a rich man and Lazarus was laid by his door. He was begging. And he said the dogs came and licked the wounds. And they both died and they went to heaven. The rich man went to hell and Lazarus went to heaven. And the rich man, in verse 27, he said, I beg you. Just, oh, let's back up a little bit. He, the rich man wants Abraham to dip his finger in water and come and touch his tongue. But Abraham said, I can't do that. In verse 25, it says, Abraham said, child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus' bad things. But now he's being comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, however, that between us and you, there's a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that none may cross over from there to us. And listen, then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them, so that they may will not, will not come to this place of torment. So he, he wants somebody, he's, he's in hell, he knows he has brothers, and he knows that they're not saved. He's trying to get them. So he says, send, send Lazarus. And Abraham said, no. Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. 
He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they'll repent. But he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. So even if, even if someone rises from the dead and goes from the, the key that's going to persuade them is the scriptures. When it says Moses and the prophets, it means the, script, the scriptures. So the scriptures are going to keep us. And finally, in John chapter 12, Jesus, it says, Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my sayings and, and listen, if anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me does not receive my sayings, has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him in the last day. In the last days, what's going to judge us is the word. People that have had the word available, but didn't get into it, wouldn't put it in, wouldn't believe it, wouldn't, wouldn't live their lives by it. This is, this is how we should live our lives. So, so I just want to encourage everyone this morning. Declare, be good soil. Don't let the distractions of life keep you from the word. Don't let hardship keep you from the word. Stay faithful to God, but put the word in. Read it. Just pick it up and read it. It's life to those who find them. It's healthier flesh. It's food for your spirit. It'll cause you to be strong. Make the word of God a primary thing in your life, central. Spend time in the word, and God will bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, I'm so grateful for your word. We thank you so much for this precious word, the word that so many people gave their lives so that we could have this in our, ha in our hands today. I pray you create in all of us a hunger for more of your word, a hunger, Lord, in us. Fill our hearts with your word that we might be the people you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.